welcome to Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today is Sunday, March 8th, 2020, and if it's not where you're listening, then you're listening to a rebroadcast of the show and should not be trying to call in. I am Doubter 5, and as usual, we have Wombat on the phone with us. Hello, Wombat. Hey, it's the Wombat! Still alive, still kicking it, even after surviving the darkness of coronavirus in CPAC. Uh, <laughs> I'm here, I'm still oh, ready yeah. to go. <laughs> well, very good. Hope you didn't get anything while you're out there. Bravely talking um, to anyone about anything, even, doesn't matter yeah. what it is. Yep. Yeah. Also on the uh, show with us today, our guests, uh, Chad the Impaler, Boudreaux, and uh, Dread Pirate Higgs. Say hello, y'all. Hello, y'all. Hey. Hey. Okay, Digital Free Thought Radio Hour is a call-in talk radio show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we also talk about religion, religious faiths, gods, holy books, and superstition. And if you get the feeling that you're the only non-believer in Knoxville, well, you're just not. There are several atheist, free-thinking, and rationalist groups that exist right here in Knoxville, and we'll be telling you how you can connect with them after the mid-show break. And in spite of what Steve Martin would have you think, there are an awful lot of atheist songs out there, and you'll be hearing them on this program and on this station, generally, as they are in rotation. Okay, Wombat, I think we're going to be talking about bloody soil today, is that correct? Oh my gosh, that sounds so graphic. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dread Pirate. talking about Appomattox or something? Yeah, Dread Pirate, what's this bloody soil thing going on? It's So it's not bloody soil, it's blood and soil. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, ah. so a very important distinction to make. Clarify, yeah. Yeah, so uh, what I mean by that is the notion, and it's really a magical kind of thinking, that there is some quality to a person's existence that ties him or her or it to the soil um such that you know uh, for instance uh, the jews believe that israel is the land that's uh, granted them by their deity and palestinians in another fashion uh-huh. and uh, certainly you know here in canada we see a lot of the indigenous peoples uh, laying claim as, uh, you know, territory. This is where my ancestors walked, um, and I claim it by virtue of that. Oh. And then sanctifying or spiritualizing places so that, um, you know, it, it becomes almost a blasphemy to, uh, you know, do things in certain places because of this idea that it's sanctified somehow. Oh, so that's what I mean by blood and soil. Oh, okay. So anyway, I I just find that this is, you know, it seems to be here in Canada anyway, it's, it's a a recent trend and, you know, with the pipelines being um, discussed and worked on and worked towards, um, there are, you know, traditional uh, or hereditary chiefs banding together to say, you know, this is the land of our ancestors. How dare you? That sort of thing. Is it? Right. Um, is it along the lines of like when I was in school, I would go to I was in school in Atlanta, and I would go at mm-hmm. grad school, and I would go to uh like a Publix or something like that, and there wouldn't be any Georgia Tech memorabilia. It'd all be Georgia memorabilia because it was the bigger football team. But like I'm like, hey, I'm in downtown Atlanta. Georgia Tech is literally right across the block. There's no Georgia Tech. <laughs> 
cup holders or bibs or pens. <laughs> it's all Georgia, who's our biggest rival. What's going on here? This is our yeah. land. It's right, our right, bloody right. soil. My ancestors walked here. Exactly. It, okay, I mean, okay, good. You, yeah. So, you know, I just, I just find, uh, you know, in, in a lot of the work that I do, I go to lots of conferences and, and now it's just become an expectation that at anything you do where the public gather, um, there has to be a, you know, a, a representative from whatever indigenous nation, nation stakes claim to it. Mm. And they engage everyone or try to engage everyone in some kind of a prayer. Mm. or you know spiritual thing and and i'm just i'm very troubled by this because it's just replacing one religious uh, construct with another yeah i mean they may they may not believe in a god specifically but it's all spiritual it's all magical thinking um and it's not real in my view let's take it to or the, ours yeah, yeah. Let's, let's take it to the round table larry do you ever feel like in an effort to make everyone feel happy, we sometimes adopt dogmas that aren't necessarily healthy. Oh, certainly. Um, people do it all the time, especially uh, when they don't have any choice in the matter, like children. <laughs> That's true. You know, and when they're told that it's real with no proof, just and told that they have to absolutely have to believe it, uh, and then they grow up believing it because you know they 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 were given the information by the most trusted adults in the in the in the world to them. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see some parallels there, especially with kids who have like no way of like forming any sort of critical thought. There's like a really great right. test I've been reading up on just re recently called the Piaget's test, P I A G E T. Uh the test is basically, you know, you take a a 3-year-old and like a 7-year-old and like a 9-year-old and and so on. And you give them a test of like, hey, here's two quarters, here's four quarters, and they're separated. Are these the same amount of quarters, or is one more than the other? And like a three-year-old has no idea of like the concept of like more or less, even or I'm not a three-year-old, but like a uh, like a one-year-old may not understand it. Uh -huh. You can take those two quarters and spread them out and be like, okay, now these spread out quarters, is this the same as these four quarters over here? And they'll be like, yeah, it's the same amount because they don't understand that just spatially differentiation isn't the same thing as more or less and like and and there's like they'll play hide and seek with like little babies and the babies will just cover their eyes because in their mind if i can't see myself no one else can see me like they suffer from egocentrism so like sure so you're, you're talking about cognitive uh, development exactly there's so much that we develop as a kid that we take for granted that if you took a kid and put him straight into you know a church Without developing any of these like core cognitive functions, of course, the dogma of the church will sneak in way before they develop any of these more more useful terms. And by the time they're an adult, when it comes <clears> to the <throat> point where they have to like start to unshed like some yeah. of these falsehoods that they've come to believe yeah. is true, well, the, their, their so entire much. world, yeah, their entire world is built around uh, getting approval from the adults in their in their that environment too. and the older kids, or and yeah. every everything they do that gets approval, they reinforce. Mm. You know, internally and externally. Yeah, and not only that, but like if you're an adult, you get approval from other people. You just try to seek disapproval from Twitter, <laughs> uh -huh. maybe from your job. You're just trying to keep mm -hmm. your paycheck coming. Like, there's a lot yeah. of forces that keep people tied to you know unhealthy beliefs. Uh, well, we're. I was just going to say that where I where I find this actually potentially dangerous is is in the you know sort of retrograde thinking towards uh, tribalism. That if you're not a part of my in group, you're part of my out group. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and it sets up this distinction between people that as we move in one, you know, uh, you know, in one avenue, we're moving towards a, a more humanist and secular uh, society. There's this pull towards a more separatist and tribalist thinking, which I think is represented in the concept of blood and soil. Mm. So, yeah. uh, you know, Go ahead. Chadley and Paylor, I'm really interested in your take on this. You you have a very interesting approach to things. What what do you think about the idea of um uh kindly taking on dogmas out of, you know, uh an avoidance of social repercussions and like this idea of tribalism? Oh man. This is a huge can of worms. Uh <laughs> Udrow and I talk about this a lot, especially the tribalism. Mm. Uh su- super dangerous and in regards to blood and soil I, I as soon as that as soon as we started uh, discussing potential topics and i saw blood and soil come across i thought nazis immediately thought nazis yeah blut and bluten yes exactly uh, yeah, yeah they 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 loved their slogans yeah and they um they would put this on some of their propaganda material and some of their regalia um so just it's I know to invoke Nazis is is always like just going to the extreme, but that's mm-hmm. where it can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where we know this this tribal. Yeah, this we've seen it historically, right? Right, and we've yeah. lost way too many people to this, and it, it bothers me that we've not learned much from history, and that some people on um, I'm not going to get political, but on both the left and the right. Oh yeah, do definitely, this. most definitely. They do this without. Um, Without seemingly without ever recognizing that these are patterns that we can correct for when we choose not to because of some strange tie to dopamine and serotonin levels. You know, we get right. big hits from feeling uh, that we're a part of something special mm-hmm. and that we right. are special. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so hyper dangerous. But yeah. but I don't mm-hmm. know if we can. We don't seem to talk about this. We always seem to, to, to say those people are tribal, but we're not. Mm, yeah, <laughs> Which yeah, yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah, like those <laughs> people are, think. I find whenever someone calls someone else like, you know, a, a, a bigot or, or racist, they tend to be pointing four fingers at themselves as they point mm. away at mm. someone else. You know, and I, I was very, very cognizant of even broaching this topic because there is, you know, such a, uh, a current error here in Canada, mm. uh, around, you know, asserting, uh, you know, indigenous people asserting their rights. Um, which, you know, and it's almost like you kind of coil, recoil with the thought of raising your voice to broach the subject, um, because of the potential for black, for a backlash. Mm. And, uh, so I've been very, very cautious, uh, on who I talk about this to, just because, um, you know, very easily I could have not just four of my fingers pointing at me, but everyone's fingers pointing at me saying, how dare you, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. So, um, you know, thank goodness for uh, Knoxville. True. I, I always wonder about the, the level-headed approach, but I do want to get Boudreaux in here uh, and his thoughts before we keep going. Boudreaux, what do you think about this topic so far? So I wanted to jump back to where we started with, with the idea of going to conferences and seeing different uh, rituals. 
Um, there's something I've observed in the United States going to conferences, um, particularly in engineering and then also some conferences involving police officers. There is a clear pattern of law enforcement conferences. Uh, there's a lot of focus on, um, you know, invocation and prayer before meals. Um, and there's a big, a big performance of, you know, carrying in the flag right. and saluting and all of that ha- happens, oh, yeah. uh, at, at these conferences quite a bit. And then the other thing that's pretty clear and not too surprising is the South and the North uh, conferences south of Kentucky. Uh, generally, even, even just the engineering ones, uh, have, have that, uh, um, a prayer before, you know, a lunch, a, a, a lunch meal, which is just, it's so strange to me. And, and, uh, the wait staff puts, puts their, puts your napkin on the, your lap for you and just seems straight. Uh, and, and I, I have no objection to this. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the wait staff, the hotel would, would take your napkin off the table and put, drape it over your leg. Why? Um, <laughs> well, what's the value of that? <laughs> is it to put around your neck? Fancy. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, do people spill food on their lap? I've never spilt food on my lap before. It's always people, been my chest or nothing else. People, people on my belly. On you. Yeah. And and another thing That's I see bizarre. that I, I don't object to this necessarily, but I, I would like to hear. I need well, personal space when I'm eating. The, the, the other thing I haven't said yet that I don't object to, but I, w- I would wonder what maybe Fanny would think or some of our female uh, uh, hosts, uh, but they would. Um, they would serve the women first at the table. Huh. Uh, very, very specific. And again, this is done in the South. And then you go up North and have a conference and it's, yeah. So yeah, that, that's a tricky that, situation in 2020. How dare you assume my food gender? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Did you just serve me first? How dare you? I was like, oh, uh, 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 just, what... just because I'm wearing a dress doesn't mean I, I identify as oh, female. Oh, there you go. So it's, it's a tricky uh, I, If I'm that hungry, yeah. I will identify. <laughs> <laughs> if yeah, I'm that hungry, draw, I would. I would back like, your arm quicker. You'd you know, be getting a stump. From... Right, so it, doesn't that go back to the, I mean, those people that are doing that might not understand that some of these things might be sexist or seemingly racist or you know, first class, second class citizen e. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might just understand that this is the way that you operate in this demographic, or not this. I'm sorry, the demographic's not the right word in this situation. And uh, I understand that, and that's how I'm going to act. You know, I feel like it's always comes down to intentions for me, and if I if I get zero harm in the attention, I'm fine with it. But another thing is, America is a fairly new country on the block, right? Like, there's countries that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. We have not even crossed the halfway point on a millennium yet. And so we are very desperate to come up with, you know, an, uh, even like a falsehood belief that we've, we have these long standing traditions that we hold very dearly and that have, have come from all, maybe even around, around the world or have always been part of the American ideal. And we are willing to, you know, fight for things that have not, like we have a World Series and we only have American players <laughs> in it. Like we have like World Tours and we only go to like Nebraska to to Florida. And right. and a lot of the things that we do that we have a lot of austerity to have not been around for a long time. But we have to maintain this cognitive bias that they are important. And I feel like that plays a lot into it. This American centrism. 
Do you guys feel me on that? Does, yeah, does that, that make makes sense? good sense. Like putting yeah. putting a napkin on my lap. I don't know that that strikes me almost as what I would expect if I were to like walk into a shrine in Japan and someone like put like a cloth over my foot and I'm like, oh, well, I'm in Japan. Do as the Japanese do, I guess. And if it happened to me in America, I'd be like, what are you doing? It's like, no. Yeah. I've seen it, I've seen it a lot in restaurants. My uh going to a more fancy restaurant it's not an unusual thing i'm always surprised when i see it but not because uh i'm i'm shocked by just the act itself i'm just shocked that this restaurant chooses to be that level of fancy Uh and it's it's really to me it feels like we're trying to make our guests feel special there you go yeah that's the intention, and I'm I'm totally fine with that. The fanciest thing that's ever happened to me was when I was in a Burger King, and someone said, "You can sit down. We will bring the Whopper to you." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> that happened to me once, and I'm like, "I am not comfortable with this." But okay, I'll try it out. It was very bizarre, but yeah, uh, we we try our best. But blood and soil. Um, what's the what's the what's the worst case scenario, uh, Dread Pirate? Like what? The, what is it, what would it look like if all this spirals out of control? Well, it just again, it, it, I, I believe it's just very divisive. Um, I was at a conference, uh, you know, last year in in Ontario, uh, Ottawa, um, and there was it was clearly divided. I mean, they they were talking of you know we're indigenous and you're non-indigenous, so just you know just making that very very clear distinction between. Who now has you know sort of the focus and who doesn't? And if you're not with us, you're against us. That mm. kind of thing. Mm. If you're not behind us on our asserting our rights, then clearly you're a you're you're a colonialist. You're a white male. You know that kind of you know just this. It was just very divisive, and I just yeah, see that <coughs> moving so, more that way. So much of this is a, is is entwined in their identity. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, and think about what the colonies have actually done, particularly like when I was here, the, the term blood and soil, I think of the Appalachian Cherokees. Oh. I mean, and the, in the march of death, you know, the, mm. the death march and, and taking all of them away from their land uh, mm-hmm. that they've lived on for literally thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the colonialists, as it were, come in and say, uh, yeah, but that was a long time ago. Forget <laughs> it. And it's it's like part of their identity. How do you how do you one want them to and to ask them to? It's it's there's there's an awful lot there that is just being glossed over. I think if you oh, if yeah. you take that kind of a approach, and I and I see that too. Um, I understand, but you know certainly I I do not um, go to jail for the the sins of my father. True. Um, you know what I mean. So there's a point at which I think. We have to adopt a more humanist approach and just understand that we have fundamental rights as human beings, not as an Irish, uh, Canadian or a indigenous uh, North American. Uh, these rights are common to all people of all sexes, of all, you know, origins. And that's the thing I think we need to strengthen as opposed to polarizing into camps and then trying to fight a battle which, you know, has been fought for thousands and thousands of years, and nobody's won. But how do you do that, though, and still respect cultures of other people? I think that's the big battle. And I think, I I would totally agree. 
I would totally agree. And I think it's a matter of, you know, establishing rapport. I mean, it's like we do with SE, right? Um, is establishing rapport and trying to get down to a person's epistemology on stuff. Uh, if we can figure out where our common ground is and use that common ground to establish a relationship, that's how we work past this stuff. Right. If those people will give you the time during an SE, I'm going to call it a session, um, just because it seems very therapeutic. But, uh, you know, some people, uh, I've noticed in watching some videos and trying these techniques myself, some people push back and will double down because they feel they've been outsmarted. You know, if you don't lay that uh, good intention and build that mm -hmm. rapport up front, or if mm -hmm. these people just won't hear it, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if, 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 if their approach to you is combative, a lot of times they won't give it up. Yeah, um, it's the, the backfire and, effect, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and then you just, I don't know what you do in that situation. That would be a good conversation to have. Those of mm -hmm. you like Ty that's out there doing this daily, um, what do you do in those situations? I, I don't want to pull us away from this conversation, but I think that would be a fascinating thing. So, yeah, that story reminded me of a uh, Civil War general. Uh, his name was William Tecumseh Sherman. He's slash notorious slash uh, famous uh, uh, Union general in the Confederate or in the Civil War. Uh, he came up with the policy in a special fields order of 40 acres and a mule where he would take freed slaves who would fight for him. And at the war, at the end of the war, promised him, promised them that they would get um, allotment of land to build up and and reestablish the economy after um, all the bad stuff that happened during the Civil War. And a lot of the land started to get passed out. Uh, this would be around Mississippi to Georgia to Florida. But um, when Lincoln died and he got replaced by, I believe, Andrew Jackson or Andrew Johnson. I, I don't know my history too well. But uh, when he got when Lincoln was assassinated and he had his successor president, um, that president reversed the order. And so um, those soldiers who had land uh, got either taken away from them and was given back to Confederates in order to, like, maintain peace or just straight out just taken back by the government. And and for the people who survived, uh, who were able to keep their land, um, that's that is largely a big part of why you have, you know, like so many black people in the South. It's not I, when I first came to South from California, I thought like, wow, like this is where slavery happened. I would imagine most black people would want to get out. But when I found this out and like learned about the history, it's like, no, this is the first time black people got a foothold in the American dream. We're able to be landholders. We're able to be freed. And and despite the fact that it was horrible in the South, they stayed there because they owned the land. They had claim to it. They they had, you know, a legal obligation to, like, maintain it or give it up. And they chose to fight for it. And, and what we're looking at now today is the progeny of those people who, you know, are maintaining the little bit of land and the little bit of promises that they were able to keep um, after the Civil War. It's a really interesting thing. I think. I don't know. It just goes to show, like, I, I, blood and soil probably goes over a variety of different generations and and different skin colors and stuff like that. Just my thoughts. Anyone, anyone else? Uh, can anyone hear me? Am I? Am I? Oh out? yeah, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're I think yeah, everyone we're just, was trying to come yeah, up with yeah. something. I'm, I'm trying to grok this. Okay, 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 okay. Um, well, I think a lot of it was uh, after slavery. Uh, they had no money. Travel yeah. and, and establishing a new home requires money. Yeah, you couldn't uh, even invest in a bank could, back yeah, then. Many, many of them, I mean, I guess most, were 
uh, totally poor, had no possessions. Everything that they had, uh, besides the clothes on their back, uh, reverted to either the northern states or the, the owners or whatever, mm. the, the new owners of the land or the carpetbaggers who came in and took advantage of the devastation. Uh, they literally had nothing to travel with or to. Uh, I think that has more to do with the fact that they stayed than anything else. Mm. Uh, we always think of people as, so why don't they just leave? You know, if they, if they don't like the situation, they, uh, many, many times they just simply cannot afford it. There's no, there's no means for me to even do so and no right. guarantee that wherever I'm being taken, I'll right. be able to survive there either. And uh-huh. then you have this promise where it's like, Hey, you know, Clayton or one of my uncles, he got to keep his land. And he's only 40 miles up from here. I got nothing. I'm going to go over to, I don't know, uh, Mississippi and make a, a make a run for it, help him out and, and try to build something here. And we're going to yeah. it's going to be terrible there, but we're going to fight it out and make it work. And and, right. and that's what we're looking at a, now. I think a lot of the people also, the, the freed slaves, uh, stayed on some of these places where they were former slaves. They're now employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know the number there, but I can't imagine that everything would have just been dissolved and commerce would have stopped because there was so much commerce in the South. Yeah. Um, it, it had to be, uh, this work had to be done by some group of people post slavery. Right. And I, I can't imagine that it would be, have been anyone else doing it. Yeah, it was called sharecropping. Right, right. Sharecropping, yeah. exactly. Yeah. My grandmother was uh, actually a sharecropper for sugar on St. Thomas, so it's, like, again, not too far away What a lovely place to be. Uh, (laughs) Not in those conditions, but yes. I would do that right now. (laughs) So, Wombat. Hey, what's up? I was going to ask you a question. Yo. Do you, do you, you were born in, where were you born? Uh, California. California? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where I got my birth certificate, yes. Okay. Now, I... My question, and again, this is going to tie back to blood and soil. Go for it. Do Do you ever identify as African American? Yeah, I mean, so like, okay. there's, there's, I, 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 it's, it's a, it is a, um, a time, a temporal thing. One, because it's fun to fuddle up white people when they <laughs> get it wrong, <laughs> and two, there's, there are people who are black who identify as colored. There are people who are black who identify as Negro. There are people who are black who identify as black and African-American and then a whole bunch of other stuff that I probably can't say on the mm-hmm. radio. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. So it's just a but, question I mean, of like... Wouldn't it be just one thing to say that, well, I'm a black American or I'm a white American? Yeah. and I, uh, Without I, distinguishing where... Uh, I mean, because we're all African-Americans yeah. when it comes right down to it, if hmm. you go back far enough in time. Well, I mean, uh, we'd all no, be Africans. This is, this is sure. the idea of blood and soil, right? Yeah, is yeah. That, yeah. You weren't, you've, if you've never stepped in Africa, right. there's no reason to identify that because there's nothing that ties your soil or your blood right. to that soil. Right. And right? I, so what I'm applying that to is when Malcolm X said, Hey, we need to come up with a new name for ourselves because they're calling us colored and they don't realize mm. they have a color too. Let's, let's, right. let's take some roots and have pride in who we are. We're gotcha. from Africa and we're American. So we'll call ourselves African American and, and just like tie into. Like the idea of like, we are from a great country and like, I mm-hmm. resonate with that as well. But if it's just like a person on the street saying like, you know, could you fill out the survey and there's no black section? It's just like, are you white or are you African-American? It's like, no, 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 I'm black. If those are the right, contexts right. that we're working with, I can work with that. But like there's right. history in like each way that you can describe it. 
And sure. again, it always comes down to intention for me. And if someone's you're, saying, you're hey, cutting out. Oh, I'm sorry, it always comes down to attention to me. And if someone says, hey, you're black, I'm like, yeah, that's 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 exactly what I am. <laughs> and if someone says mm. you're African-American, it's like, I've never been to Africa. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're black. And, and it's funny because, uh, you know, sometimes here, like I, I had a black doctor for a long time hmm. and and people would wince when I used the word black. And it was like, well, what's the problem? I'm not sure I understand. Um, and sometimes the people didn't even understand what what was the issue? I mm, mean, that sounds like people know. who don't have a lot of black friends. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and again, it just comes down to exposure. So like the more yes. exposed people are, the less they'll wince and the more they'll be cool mm-hmm, with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there mm-hmm. are there. I will, I'll be the first to admit, and I'll probably lose my black card for this a little bit, or at least get a corner cut off. We will come up with things just to confuse, <laughs> just to have fun sometimes. Cause you need to have fun. You need to have fun. And it's not good to like yeah. lock yourself up. So uh, we are we are getting close to the bottom half of the hour. Uh, Larry, do you want to take us away? Sure. Yeah. Well, this is WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM, and you're listening to Digital Free Thought Radio Hour from Knoxville, Tennessee. Taking a break right now. I'll be back in just a little bit. Sweet. You're listening to the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO 103.9 LPFM in Knoxville, Tennessee. And now, back to the show. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply the best. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Five, and this is the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM, right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today is Sunday, March 8th, 2020, and the second half of the show. We're going to talk about the Free Thought groups for just a minute that you can join here in Knoxville. First, there's the Atheist Society of Knoxville. Founded in 2002, we're in our 18th year. Ask has over a thousand members, and you can join us online at knoxvilleatheist.org. Another large free-thinking group here in Knoxville, the Rationalists of East Tennessee. They've been around for more than 20 years. RET has bi-weekly presentations and discussions at the Pellissippi State Campus near Hardin Valley Road. Uh, they meet the first and third Sundays at the Goins Administration Building, or you can just go to rationalist.org and get all the details on it. Click on upcoming events. Um, we talk. Uh, we need to talk maybe just a little bit about Knoxville Atheist Call-in TV show, television what? show. We have a we have a call-in TV show. <laughs> yeah, we have. It's been on the air for ten years. Knoxville on Community Access TV, but it recently made the change over to uh, online uh, live broadcast, and you can watch that by going to Facebook and looking for Free Thought Forum Knoxville. And they they air live at uh, Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. Um, also, uh, you can see some of their archives if you go there as well. Uh, you can also go to ctvnox.org and look up archives of their shows at that location as well. On the show with us today, we have Wombat, Metal yep. Wombat. Hey! Yeah, he. And we also have... Um, Chad the Impaler, hello Boudreaux, and Dread Pirate Higgs, Arr. say hello all. Oh wait, and we were talking about blood and what ground and blood, blood and bloody soil, soil blood, bloody blood soil, and soil, bloody soil, yeah. bloody soil, yeah. the bloody <laughs> <And> soil. <laughs> we're going to keep talking about that, or we got to change. Let's just wrap uh, up. Let's topics. just wrap up. We had some really good mm-hmm. conversation in the mid break. Uh, or you're cutting out. You're cutting out. I'm sorry. Chad the Impaler had some really good comments on the mm-hmm. uh, topic, and uh, let's just wrap up the combo. 
Okay, Jay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was I was just trying to. I shouldn't have been doing this during the break. I think that's why I suggested that we that we completed on the air. Now I've kind of lost some of these thoughts, but I think oh, no. I find that um, a lot of these people that like Native American people have been marginalized. Oh yeah, definitely. And so these are the these are some of the people that don't want us us. And I'm I'm saying you know modern Western capitalists, and some would even say you know white Americans or white North Americans moving into some of these areas because this is all they have left of their culture and their culture is so important to them. And they look around and they see just what we've done. Huh. I say we, I'm not one of them, but uh, well, I guess I am. You are. I'm, not, I'm not active. <laughs> I'm not one of them. <laughs> not an active member. Uh. Um, but, but you know, what do we, what do we do? What do we say to these people? How do we tell them, how do we come in and destroy what's beautiful about them and and then pretend to also celebrate diversity in culture so it's it's a mm. tricky road it's a tricky oh, yeah. road to travel mm. and mm-hmm. and I don't know if I don't know who's right but I do see people um wanting to be celebrated for their differences and never ostracized or criticized for their differences um, but they also want some of the benefits that come along with modern civilization. So how do we protect these people and their beautiful cultures? Yeah. Uh, while we, while we grow as a species on this planet. I always mm-hmm. wonder, does keeping a culture from evolving kill it in the same way as maintaining it right. exactly and the that's same a, way as it is? That's an excellent point. It's an excellent point. I mean, it's like, uh, going into these cargo cults and saying, hey, look, guys, you've got this all messed up here. Uh, building planes out of bamboo sticks is is not going to help you anymore. Yeah. Um, I know it's a part of your culture now, but it's just not going to work. Yeah, like there are Amish people that use power tools because they get them from Mennonites, and apparently you can buy anything <laughs> right. you want from Mennonite, even if it has electrical components to it. So, like, everyone's finding little <laughs> shortcuts and stuff. As yeah. you know, technology yeah. evolves. I don't know. It, it's a and, and that's topic. and and that is part of the success of the human species is yeah. that we adapt. Yes. Right. Yeah. So you know, arresting exactly. development is really contrary to the human uh, the human condition. The human culture. That's that's what you have the human culture exactly. Hmm. I you know something I noticed that uh, a lot of people who think they all believe the same thing and and none of that's going to change when they have giant conventions and you talk to people one on one you realize there's a lot of nuance that a lot of people aren't willing to or maybe didn't know existed and when I went over to CPAC 2020 in uh, DC uh, with uh, some friends of mine who do SE, including Raul Cardona from who's from Steep Street Knowledge and Reed Nice Wonder from Cordial mm-hmm. Curiosity and my channel Let's Chat, um, we talked to a lot of conservatives who the 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 prevailing sentiment was, oh, it's just great to be in a place where everyone thinks the same way I do for once. Right. <laughs> but when you talk to one on one, we found conservatives that believe in climate change and want to have policies to stop and 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 regulate companies. We met veterans who believe that we should bring the troops home and like should stop you know spending money frivolously on unnecessary wars like or uh right. unnecessary occupations like in afghanistan um mm-hmm. i we met um uh conservatives who are atheists we met atheists for liberty <laughs> they had they had a giant booth and it was just an amazing thing to see like these out 
atheists who are like, hey, if you don't believe in a God, you don't have to be a liberal. <laughs> you can be conservative, too. We just want to show okay, you that it's possible. Again. I'm sorry. If you if you believe in if you don't believe in a God and you don't want to be a liberal, there's an option for you. That's what they were they were selling. And I was like, wow, that's that's that is cool, because there are definitely conservative atheists who just need a a, a group, like I said, like a community to reach out to. Um, oh, yeah. But there was just so many great little bits of nuance there. There were conspiracy theorists, of course, but there were like people who were like, hey, everyone from China is a spy and we need to send them back to their own country if they're in America. By the way, I'm married to a Chinese woman. <laughs> it's just like, what's going on here? There was just a lot of, a lot of different nuances here. People who thought, um, U.S. was an American country or what U.S. was a Christian nation, but they were Jewish. Uh, like if you're just willing to talk to people, you can find like there was some really interesting either little wrinkles that you can point out and then they'll be like, Oh, there's a wrinkle here. Uh, but I think the biggest takeaway that I had while I was at the event was, um, talking to just the idea of, conservatives aren't just one thing and they aren't just like one group of people and they're as valuable as anybody else and we spoke to liberals later on in the event we went to a bernie sanders rally on our last day up there on our three-day um, trip there and we found basically like anyone can be talked to and approached whether they're wearing a maga hat or a bernie sanders button and ultimately they care about what they what their principles are and all they're doing is looking out at the field of what best aligns to their principles. And you can have a conversation about their principles apart from whatever party they're supporting. Because ultimately, when you're having those conversations about what do they believe in, what do they hold to be true, and why they believe it, it's very much consistent whether they're wearing a red hat or a blue tie. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways. Um, I'd say one last cool. thing. One last thing. Uh, we talked to a guy, and I'll post this video most likely next week, his name was Jordan. He believed uh, that he was a deep conservative, multi-generational. Uh, he was there with his family and uh, at CPAC with his family. He was definitely going to vote for Trump. But he had some questions. And by the end of the conversation, he was just like, I don't even know what I'm doing here at CPAC. <laughs> and he <laughs> got up and he just like straight up just like walked out of the bed. He said, I'm so thankful for talking to you. You made me think about what I believe and why I believe it. And I don't awesome. see it in this leadership. And I don't see it. <laughs> and he walked away. Nice. And I'm you like, saved another one. You, huh. can, you can get one. You can get one. If, you can, you, mm -hmm. if you're willing to talk, you can do it with anybody. Um, yeah. 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 <clears throat> Anyway, it's going to be uh, a great, great story. Of great story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, earlier, you were saying that we had questions that people had sent in that may, we might want to address. Oh, you think it's a good time for that? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so you can send your questions through a number of different ways. Hey, Larry, why don't you send your? Uh, You're cutting way? out. Why don't you send your favorite way for questions, Larry? I'm sorry. Your, your how can <laughs> people contact you to send you a question, Larry? No, Larry. What order, means of communications do we have? Doubter no, five. You were, you were saying that in your text, you were saying that you had a bunch of questions that you wanted to address on the show True. That, that people had sent you. And if more people have questions, how can they contact us? Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay. They can send them to the show by sending them to askanatheist at knoxvilleatheist.org. Cool. Cool. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to throw this one out to uh, Dread Pirate for bringing the topic today. Uh, this one sure. was asking... Um, Hey, I'm curious. Uh, this one's sent by uh, a person named Legendary AK over Reddit. I'm curious if you have any tips on remaining calm during intense conversations. 
I imagine it might be easier when speaking to strangers, but I have a hard time speaking about religion with my wife without getting emotionally invested. We got married mm. as Catholics, and I recently, within the past couple of years, am leaning more towards atheist slash agnostic. You can imagine the conversations this has led to regarding our two children and their upbringing. I do my best to try and ask thought-provoking questions, as I've seen you guys do many times, but the conversations usually get a little more intense than intended. Just looking for some general thoughts and tips. I enjoy your content. Thank you. Um, that's that's a great question. Um, my wife is a Mennonite, and she believes, uh, you know, in in the tradition of the Mennonite tradition. So she believes in God, and she believes that she'll be seeing her parents when uh, when she passes on, and she's you know made uh, arrangements uh, to be buried near them, and and that kind of stuff. Um. And so, yes, tensions can rise sometimes, especially because I'm a pastafarian. Uh, so I'm very out there in the community. I, uh, uh, you know, and clearly pastafarianism to some extent is about the, you know, separation of church and, and state and, uh, sometimes very irreverent of, uh, other religions. Um, but we, you know, we're still getting along 20 years later. And I think that's just part partly due to the idea that I can keep that separate as much as I can from infiltrating into our relationship. So I think it's about respecting space and respecting that um, we each have our ideas about stuff and that certainly coming to uh, where I am was a gradual, uh, you know, a gradual process mm. and that, uh, you know, there's no expectation that because I'm here that everyone should is obliged to catch up to me. You know, that's just not the way to look at it. Um, people come to their beliefs uh, through their own processes and uh, we take ownership of our beliefs and invest heavily in them. And that is the biggest thing to respect is that uh, people, people own their beliefs and, uh, and if we want to help them change it, uh, we have to demonstrate that uh, we're doing so through goodwill. Sure. Well, my biggest takeaway from street epistemology was something that uh, Ty has taught me a long time ago and has hammered home many times. That we have a call-in TV show. I've been telling you about this <laughs> every <No>. week. <laughs> no. The fact that uh, you don't attack their beliefs, you attack mm -hmm. the... you. You discuss their methodology. You can right. attack the exactly. methodology. Yeah, attack that. Yeah, yeah. target. Yeah, them. Uh, and uh, you know, my advice to the to the questioner or the caller uh, about this question is, you know, ask how she uh, arrived at the beliefs that she has, and then examine uh, the paths that she has taken, rather than uh, questioning the beliefs themselves. Larry, you also exactly. do SE. I'm going to throw this question out at you. This is from Jacob Brooks um, from Patreon. Uh, you can also leave me questions at my Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash let's chat SE. Um, Larry, quick question. Besides SE, what other conversational tools have you learned that helped you have better conversations? Are there any specific books or videos or references that you can point <clears throat> me to? Thanks, oh. Jacob. Well, the uh, the only other th I mean, uh, for Ty, uh, for Wombat to to say I also do SE is a great compliment. You do. <laughs> I'm I'm more argumentative than anything else. You That's sprinkle in SE. I've seen you. I, see. I do. Yeah, you do. I do. That's all you need. Uh, it's it's I, I did t have a lot of takeaway from it, but uh, <clears throat> argumentation, uh, simple and straightforward, is mm. the, my other go to uh, methodology. I don't 
think it's it's good for everybody, but it works for me. Cool. But the important thing is to have knowledge of the the area that you're argumenting. Oh, that's very true. You're taking arguments to them. Mm. Uh, If you don't know anything about the Bible, don't argue the Bible. Mm. Right. Uh, If you don't know, have anything that, if you don't know anything about deism, uh, then you shouldn't go there. Mm -hmm. Uh, My advice is, you know, gain the knowledge, read the articles, read read the books, uh, take some time, uh, prepare before you get into it. Research. That's the main thing. If you're Uh going to get in a debate or an argument, make sure you don't have any chinks in your armor. Absolutely. Right. Right, know your stuff. especially on the subject that you you choose to engage them on. Exactly, mm-hmm. that's and a very I, different kind I, of battle. Yeah, and I another point is steel manning a person's argument too, right? Steel mm-hmm. manning, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a term that uh, I've heard actually a lot lately, and is that is the strengthening, yeah, strengthening the argument of uh, it's Rappaport's rules is strengthening the opponent's argument to such a point that they turn to you and say, wow, I wish I had come up with that oh. way to put it. <laughs> okay. All right. That just sounds like agreement. Is that, a, is it still arguing? <laughs> no, it's, it's still. Hey, you're pretty. Hey, no, I, I'm not it's... just pretty. I'm beautiful. <laughs> hey, I wish I said that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's, no, it's, it's giving credit to the other person's position. Okay. As being and maybe you know, even bring up something that they hadn't thought about in order exactly. to strengthen it, give them every benefit of the doubt, and then still trash the argument because uh, it's not a good argument. That's right. Okay. It is okay. exactly huh. right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Chad the Impaler, I got one for you if you're still here. Chad, you here? Still here. Nice. Yep. Okay. So uh, this one is sent to us from Santos. He also reached out to me on Reddit. Um, uh, feel free to look up uh, um, our post on Reddit at r slash street epistemology but he says i'm a 25 year old high school dropout who basically discovered philosophy a few months ago i've been watching a streamer named destiny for a couple of years he sometimes has philosophical philosophical debates which i usually just uh watch to hear people yell at each other but recently some things have begun clicking in my head and this has led me to the sudden interest in philosophy i decided to pick up a copy of plato's five dialogues yesterday and finished it in the same day that led me to looking more into the Socratic method and eventually finding uh, uh, YouTube channels that have street epistemology along with other Sweet. philosophical content. Uh, I have a question. Do you know of any other late learners of philosophy? I'm 25 years old, and this isn't as much a question for myself as it is for other members in my family. Late learners of philosophy. Yeah, is it possible to get into philosophy if you're really, really? I guess he's well, asking if you're old. Oh yes, one of my <laughs> favorite never quotes. One of my favorite quotes is that every man's second occupation is philosophy. Ah. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> we are, we I are love all it. Engaged in philosophy. Ooh, that's good. Put it on a yeah. shirt. Chad, yeah. what's your what's your thoughts on this? Is it ever too late to get into philosophy? Never, never. No, uh, it's, it, I think it happens to a lot of people. I think we're indoctrinated. And then those of us that feel a bit uncomfortable in, in the, in the realm that we've been indoctrinated into begin this uh, philosophical inner dialogue, at least. I think, uh, I think it's fantastic. I, I, philosophy really, to me, is uh, engaging in philosophy is in, Admitting to yourself that you've got room to grow, mm. and there's not a single person on this planet that doesn't have room to learn and grow. Right. Mm. I think we're all philosophers. It's just some people call themselves that, and 
some people are called that, and then they're shocked that other people see them that way. Right. Um, but I think taking on the moniker is is fantastic. It's really just kind of telling other people and telling yourself that you're willing to admit that you're wrong and exchange ideas and be changed by the world. Don't be fearful yeah. that, that you're yeah. going to be changed and embrace it. And that, I think, is, is key in philosophy. I think and, and f- Oh, go for philosophy it. Philosophy is, is the love of knowledge. Um, it's, that's literally what the, the word means. So. Really? Yeah. Don't oh, be cool. afraid to be wow. wrong. Wow. I, I also think there's merit to getting into philosophy after you've developed as a, a person and started your adulthood. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Yes. some people... Perspective. I, actually, I'm not going to even talk bad. I'll say me. <laughs> <laughs> I know when I was like in high school, I would like delve into philosophy as sort of like a, a badge of, hey, check out how smart I am, right? Like you would know like mm-hmm. really big terms and big words, but they didn't mean anything to you aside from just, you know, fulfilling your ego. And it's very easy to fall into, oh, I like death metal. That's why I only wear black shirts and leather jackets and paint my nails right. black. Or I, and then when you like, like, for example, I went to a death metal concert in Sweden. I was like the only guy there in like a pink t-shirt. <laughs> Cause I, I understand it without having to like promote it through my outfit. Like I have like a deep appreciation for it. So everyone else is there in spikes and I'm like, no, I like, I have, I have more hardcore clothes, but. I'm here for the music. Like, I really, really like the music and the culture. So um, in the same way, like when you already become an adult and you like understand where you are, where your perspectives are, where your your contrast as a person is, things you like, things you don't like, things you know you need to grow in as far as like your awareness and things you know you might have some cognitive bias in, but you're aware of it. That's a really great time to get into philosophy. Like after you already know yourself, absolutely, it's a wonderful time to get into it. Right mm-hmm. when you've been when you've been humbled mm. hundreds of times yes. is a fantastic time to sit down and say, "What am I really doing?" Oh yeah, right. I thought I was this person. I thought these people were were these types of people. My ideas are wrong. It's almost like having a midlife crisis. Yes, uh, and it's the best gift you could ever be given. Absolutely, to find out that you've been wrong. Yeah. Uh, no yeah. one wants to be wrong any longer than they have to be, right. or they shouldn't anyway. Right. Uh, so many people are afraid of change, but they've got to remember that growth is also change. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You should and, embrace and, it if it's growth. Might feel- and one thing I find about philosophy is that it helps you learn how to think, not necessarily what to think. Right. And that oh, uh, like strengthening that. strengthening the process by which you approach reality and approach topics of importance to you is as important as the subject matter. Right. You know, one thing, Ty, uh, getting into philosophy later in life, a late bloomer, so to speak, I think that kind of person, I, if I had any advice to give someone, it would be find other people that you can talk with. It's fantastic to read oh, absolutely. Uh, all the greats, and there's so much literature out there, uh, and there's so many different types of philosophy, mm-hmm. but I would... I would say get in a room of people that you are not afraid to be wrong in front of nice. and start sharing ideas and, and let them help you grow and be kind and help them grow. Right. I love it. I love it. You know, I put a lot of, I, I had an analogy in my head where it's like, um, there's a song called Claire de Lune. Um, it's a very classic song. I know you guys know it even, even if you don't recognize it by name, but it's like, a song that doesn't make any sense to you until you've gone through an entire turmoil of being in love and falling out of love. Cause like, mm-hmm. it's a song that's impossible to make 
if you had never ha- had felt that feeling before. And I remember right, listening right. to that when I was like, you know, six years old as part of like the Nutcracker. It's, it's one of the sonatas in the Nutcracker. And I believe, I believe that's, I believe that's accurate. But, um, anyway, uh, when it, when it was finally over and I've been listening to this song and then go through high school and then through colleges and go through relationships and you go back to that same song, you're like, I can't believe this song is so good. Like, it's so obvious what it's invoking. And you yeah. just never really had the tools to appreciate it until you, right. you know, you ran been into some it. dead ends and, and, and made some successes in your life or, or like been humbled by experiences and you're just like, right. wow, mm-hmm. you, you, it's amazing. You, ge- you generated some context with exactly. which that kind of works, right? Yeah. And I feel like philosophy comes from the same way. It's just, you need, you need tools to, to stimulate yourself in, in, mm-hmm. in the right mental way possible. And also, you know, moving forward in philosophy, I mean, it's great to read, you know, Socrates and Plato and, um, but Daniel Dennett, for instance, is a current day contemporary philosopher who's got uh-huh. some really good things to say about consciousness and cool. uh, the nature of mind and all that kind of stuff. So it's, that's, uh, you know, important to know that philosophers are still philosophizing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I can yeah. tell you, I've, wa- I've been watching your videos, Dread Pirate, and I've actually been no, learning thanks. things from you. Uh, especially the way how you've been approaching not not like the idea of like just saying you know like our typical things with street epistemology mm-hmm. but like the tenor of how to phrase questions to friends who know you very well right. and doing street epistemology with people who already know you and like and i seeing the different ways you're approaching that and i'm like uh, wow right. there mm-hmm. is there is so much more finesse to this that I can learn because I've always been doing it with strangers. Well, thank you. This is a great time for a segue. Why don't we uh, start with Dread Pirate and give us some links or some way that we can get a hold of your, 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 uh, your videos. Oh yeah. Great. And then we'll go on through and maybe ask others and then close out the show. We're getting pretty darn close to the top. True. True. Okay. Um, so you can find me on YouTube at mind pirate pirate being spelled P Y R A T E. Um, I've got uh, some good videos up there and I'm looking to start a streaming, uh, video show here coming up in the next month. So stay tuned for that. Oh, very cool. Chad, the impaler. Do we have anything from you or do you have anything that you would recommend that we check out? I am still in hiding, so no, <laughs> I'm not in hiding. No, I don't have any any media out there right now. I, I'm still trying to come up with format. What would you recommend so, that we uh, uh, pick up in the meanwhile, though? Uh, who would I recommend? I think I recommended Sam Harris last time. I think I can, since since someone's already mentioned Daniel Dennett, one of Sam Harris's um, buddies is Daniel Dennett. So yeah, I think Dan Dennett's good and. Uh, Study some stoicism. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I met a guy who had a stoicism coin that said, I can die at any time and be happy. And I was like, wow, you carry that around with you everywhere in the airport and everything? That's crazy. Uh, Not crazy, but like, that's impressive. There's some really great material out there. Um, I would say if I had to recommend someone, um, George Carlin does a lot of stand-up comedy on the Bible, especially in his later years as he was getting closer to knocking on heaven's door, if you will. And I found them to be so on point and funny. So if you're on yep. YouTube and you can check out George Carlin, check him out. Um, he does mm-hmm. a great set on the Ten Commandments and how they should really only be like one, if anything. And we should already know right. what that one is. But um, also, um, I'm uh, you can find me on Let's Chat. Uh, that's with the apostrophe on YouTube. I should be the first thing that pops up when you search that. And um, let's see. Larry Doubter 5 
you know, I think we're at the end of the show. Yeah. There, was, there was a lot of things we loved <laughs> and learned. How about yeah. how about you close us out? Okay. I'd like to recommend people go to YouTube and look up videos by a guy named Evidence 3, and I'll spell it E-V-I-D-3-N-C-3. Uh, why he is no longer a Christian is the best one. I think it's a good series. If you have any questions for the show, again, you can send them at askanatheist at knoxvilleatheist.org. Be sure to visit our site at digitalfreethought.com and click the blog button for our radio show archives, atheist songs, and many articles on the subject. Yep. And if you, if you have other uh, podcasts you listen to, like iTunes, Stitcher, Luminary, you can find us there. Uh, and remember, Somewhere, somebody believes that you are going to their hell. In fact, according to the world's religions, everybody is going to somebody else's hell. The time to worry about is when they prove that heavens and hells and souls are real. Until then, don't sweat it. That's it for the show for us this week. Everybody say bye. Bye. We'll see you all next week. Cheers. Take care. So long. Bye-bye. Cool. That's that's a wrap. It was awesome. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply the best. WOZOLP 103.9 FM, Knoxville.